friends, and welcome to There's No People Like Show People, the podcast that connects and reconnects the theater community, inspires hope, and strives to help people not feel so alone. I am your host, Sarah Philibon. So, I have to say that this, it, this is a big deal for me because this is my very first podcast interview that is over Zoom. And uh, most of you know that when it comes to the internet and the Wi-Fi's and, and the technologies, I'm like a 90-year-old grandma and I have worst case scenario brain. I don't know, everyone seems to think that I'm this positive ray of sunshine all the time, which is just not true. Because I've had so many people say like, Sarah, your Facebook is so positive and inspirational. And, but on the inside, I'm like, oh my God, I hate everyone and everything and everything is going to fail. And <laughs> it's a great start to a podcast. So anyway, dear podcast listeners, um, it is almost 10 o'clock at night. And I am here with a wonderful old friend who I want to call Emily Faith Thompson, but that is, no, that is how I knew her when we were children <laughs> back in the day of like 2001, uh, you know, cause we're old and we're not that old, but you know, we're getting up there in age these, these years. Um, <laughs> this is a great introduction. I think it's great. Yeah, but I am here doing a podcast Zoom interview with Emily Whitmer. How do you feel this evening? I'm doing great. And you can call me uh, Emily Faith Thompson. That is still my stage name. It so is? It is. It is still my stage name. I didn't know that. Yeah, that's my website, emilyfaiththompson.com. Oh, okay. That, that's good. Yeah. I, how are I, you? I am nervous that this isn't going to record. <laughs> <laughs> How I, although I, I I always record on two different devices, so like you know I like plans on plans on plans on backup on backup on you know. But the red dot is flashing, the other red dot is the red dots are flashing. So I think we're good to go. Um, have you? Is this your first time on a podcast? I think it's my second time. I think I did one when I was. Uh, at the barter as a job in back in 2015, but it's been a long time. Yeah. Okay. But it's, it's definitely, it's your first time on there's no people like show people. It is. <laughs> and I, we were just talking a little bit before we started recording and um, I am just so happy that people are like, th that it's being well received so far. Um, when you heard episode one, like, what were your thoughts when, <laughs> when you heard the piano music? Oh, well, I mean, it was, uh, it was exactly what I thought a podcast by you would be like. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know how to explain that. Um, but I was on, I was on uh, one of my, I try to go for a walk by myself every day if I can. That's been keeping me sane in 2020. And um, I often call a friend or I listen to a podcast and I put in your first episode and I just loved hearing your voice in my ears. Aww. And um, I think that 
I think I texted this to you. I think that you are so unapologetically yourself. And I love that about you. And I've always found you to be, like you said, like a ray of sunshine for that very reason. And so I'm just delighted to be here with you today. Aw, well, thank you so much. I, I feel like this episode should be called Podcast After Hours. <laughs> After the children are asleep. <laughs> yes, because both of our children are asleep, we think, right now. We, we think. We hope. We hope. <laughs> please, please be asleep. <laughs> we don't know. Are you asleep? Are you sleeping? Hello. Um, I don't hear any crying, so I think... I think we're good so far, but you never know in the middle of this podcast, you might hear some, some baby crying. I can hear my toddler actually giving my husband a hard time right now, but as long as you can't hear her, we are good to go. No, I can't hear her at all. Great. And I feel like when Sophie is asleep, she's like dead to the world. Like she is out. So that is a good thing. Um, I want to ask you about how you got started in theater. What was your, well, first tell our listeners where you're from and like what your first show was and sort of how you, you know, caught the theater bug. Uh, I am from Culpeper, Virginia, which is a, a little town about an hour and 45 minutes outside of DC. Um, I got my start in theater doing children's cantatas at church. We had this really incredible music director at our church. And um, it was fourth grade and we were doing a production of Candy Cane Lane. <laughs> and I just knew that this was what I was gonna do for the rest of my life, playing <laughs> Marsha of Marsha, Mark and Mindy, the three kids who travel on Candy Cane Lane. Of course. Um, of course. Uh, and then I started to do community theater uh, and I got my first lead in a musical in seventh grade. Um, I played Sandy in Greece. <laughs> and um, <laughs> once that happened, that was pretty much it. I was, I was absolutely sure this is what I was meant to do for the rest of my life. <laughs> oh, that's so great. So you, so you knew pretty early on then. I did. I don't know why I didn't ever question it. It's not like I knew anybody in this industry, but, uh, but I was just so sure. Yeah. Duh. <laughs> what else were you going to do with your life? <laughs> Obviously. Um, so we have, so we met at the famous Shenandoah university, yes. which literally just feels like a million lifetimes ago right now. It does. It was 2006. Actually, Facebook told me today, today is our friend anniversary. Yes, it yes. told me too. <laughs> <laughs> that is, it's fate. It is. It's so auspicious. Like, we would do this on our friend anniversary. Yes, like, how does Mark Zuckerberg know <laughs> <laughs> that we're recording this podcast episode today? <laughs> um hey mark if you're listening <laughs> love facebook um, he's always like, listening yeah i know right and i'll be like if you would like to sponsor this podcast please <laughs> please we'll take just you know you know even point zero zero one percent of your fortune <laughs> sponsor there's no people like show people um 
Wow, I'm just trying to remember like my first memory of you. It's it's like so long ago now that I can't even like. <laughs> I know, I, I think it has to be, I think we were on costume crew together was the first time we really spent any time together. Spring of our sophomore year, we were on costume crew for Two Gentlemen of Verona, the musical. Yes. Yes. I remember, I remember it well. Well, then you remember it better than I do because I don't remember. I do not remember that costume crew well. But that's yeah. the first time I remember us spending a lot of time together. Mm-hmm. God, what did I say? 2001? That was not even, we weren't even in, <laughs> we weren't even in college then. Like, that was high school. Like, oh man. Um, yeah, Shenandoah. I do remember our senior year though together because we did the infamous Sunday in the park with George <laughs> together and I remember feel like what I it was such an honor for me to be your understudy oh my gosh <laughs> in that in that production do you remember that <laughs> I do remember that I I do remember that I don't I don't know why you need to be honored oh, I was <laughs> it was a big deal <laughs> that was well, a really that was a really that was a really special show at the time. Yeah, yeah, it was. It's it's still one of my favorite shows I think I've ever done. Yeah, me too. It was it was such a great cast of people, and uh, the costumes were so beautiful, and you know the painting was really cool, and and how often do you get to do that show in life? Exactly. It's just not done very often, and that was such a. I remember hearing because I was a transfer student. Um, and I came in and I remember being told that I guess the fall of your freshman year, they did Sweeney Todd, but it was supposed to be Sunday in the park with George and it was switched because the sets and costumes were so, well, especially the sets with the painted pieces, um, but the painted characters were so intricate. Um, but the reason they did it our senior year, this is probably not interesting except to the people we were at school with at the time, <laughs> yeah. um, but that they had switched the schedule. So the musical was later in the semester, which gave them more time in the scene shop to prepare. Mm -hmm. Anyway, I was just thrilled that they did it while we were there and that we got to do it. Oh yeah, me too. Well, and it was a really big deal for me because, you know, I had been there for three years already and you, you know, you're required to audition for pretty much everything until you get cast in something. And mm -hmm. I had been cast in like children's theater shows. I had been, I'd done the play. I'd done a bunch of directing projects. I had done sort of like outside shows, a bunch of like, you know, dance performance forum things. Uh, but this was the first main stage musical <laughs> that I had been cast in my senior year of college. And I thought, I've made it, you know? <laughs> 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 the pinnacle of my college career like here here it is and uh you know I played Mrs which is like such a fun role if you know the show she just walks around like eating pastries the whole time <laughs> and just talks about in a southern accent to me you know it's like so fun and then I got to be your understudy and I, I mean I like had laser I took it so seriously I had laser focus, the understudy. I still remember uh, like Michael Enright ran lines with me constantly and the understudy rehearsal, I was like completely off book, even though I didn't have to be like, I was like, you no, know, like I'm serious. I'm like holding my parasol. I'm like, I am dot to today. <laughs> <laughs> that's very professional though. That's exactly what you should. That's, that's what they want you to do. Mm -hmm. so. Yeah. Yeah. 
So um, that was, and then, you know, we graduated and then we did Christmas Carol tour together. We sure did. <laughs> I what was is- so, so thrilled that you were in that cast because I, you had done the show, you had done it the year before, mm-hmm. right? And I was just so, so glad to have a friend. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I I feel like especially when you do a tour like that, you need at least one person who you know is going to be like a real person who you can just who you who you can trust. Absolutely. And we had quite the little um Shenandoah alum group on that tour. We also yeah. had Mark Edmondson. Yes. And um Olin. Yeah. I think that's everybody. But that's a lot. That's that's a yeah. lot for as small a cast as that. I mean, not that it's a small cast, but that's still like a high percentage, like f- more than five percent. Yeah. No. Yeah. Um, I uh, that was was that 2010. It was. Oh wow, <laughs> that was ten years ago. <laughs> Woo! There's that. Right. Yeah, I feel like that was our childhood. It was our childhood. <laughs> that was before we had children. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and let uh, me just say, like, that year, that was, because that was my second year on uh, on Christmas Carol tour, and I just feel like I was just, like, living la vida loca on that tour that year, you know, <laughs> like, as Ricky Martin would say. Um I was a crazy per I was like 20 I'm like whatever I'm 23 I'm I'm single I'm like living my best life um you know making it's like choices the musical and oh man I, I always I, thought you were really good at having a really good time like you were having more fun than anybody else and I thought that that's the way to do it especially when you're on tour yeah yeah. Now I feel like if I end up going on another tour at some point in my life I will be the opposite of that well, we're in our thirties now. Yeah, I will be grandma, grandma Philabom, like in bed, like right after the show. I'm like, don't ask me to go out for drinks. Don't ask, like, no, like I am going to, I'm sleeping, I'm drinking my water, I'm going to the gym, like very like sensible. But in 2010, oh, it was like the opposite of that. It was, it was balls to the wall, party hardy. I'm 23. I'm on tour. Who cares? Well, we didn't have any responsibilities then, you know, like, oh. which it was a different time in our lives. Yeah. And, and I'm glad we got to experience, I, I still am like seeing you in that costume with the big feathered hat. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I, don't, I never picture myself in the big feathered hat, but I, now that you've mentioned it, I definitely remember it. Yeah. Yeah. It's like it was yesterday, 10 years ago. <laughs> So, okay, so after Christmas Carol tour, uh, tell, like, sort of walk us through, like, your next theatrical, because I, I know you went to the Barter Theater, and you were there mm-hmm. for a while, mm-hmm. so tell us yeah. about that, and uh, tell us how you got your equity card. Uh, okay, um, so when, I, when we graduated, I went straight to Barter. I was a member of the Barter Player Company, which was a 15-month internship for the non-union barter player company under the wing of the um, resident company at Barter Theater. Um, And that was like, I still say that was the best job I ever had. I worked the hardest I ever have in my life and I learned the most I ever have in my life. Um, And 
then I went and I was fortunate enough to get the Christmas Carol tour while I was still under contract at Barter. So I knew when I left that job, I had the tour to look forward to. Mm -hmm. And then, um, okay. That's good to know because for some reason in my brain, I thought you went to Barter after Christmas Carol tour, but I was wrong. You were already there. I went back. And then you um, went, okay. I went, I did work, I worked there two other times, um, but those were both shorter contracts. Um, and when I left Barter, I was a little bit unsure of what I was supposed to do next. I didn't really feel prepared to live, to live in New York. And um, having graduated from college with this 15 month contract ahead of me, like when you're 21, that's forever. So I felt like, you know, it's more than a year of school. So I didn't feel like I really had to face the future in a way. Um, so I went home for a little while and I went to UPTA like, like we did. Mm-hmm. And um, then I booked um, some work for the rest of 2011. Um, and then I eventually moved to New York in the winter of 2012. Mm-hmm. Um, and I kind of, I just did a lot of, I mean, it'd be hard to give a complete description of every job that I've had in that yeah. time. Um, but I did a bunch of, a, a bunch of different regional jobs. Um, I worked for, in 2011, I worked for Heritage Theater Festival, which is at the University of Virginia in Charlottesville, Virginia for the first time. I've worked there four different summers. Nice. Um, I love them. They're, they're an incredible company. Um, I went back to Barter and did their national tour of Miracle on 34th Street. Um, and then in 2000, I think that the, really the next big thing that happened after I lived uh, in New York is um, I was going, I moved to San Diego <laughs> in 2014. Um, and my, in, in that time I got married, I got married in <laughs> 2013. Uh, and when we got married, my husband and I were like, okay, well, the next thing we should do is apply to get our MFA in acting. We just felt like it was the right time. And we went through the um, application process and the audition process. And we both visited some schools and callback weekends. And um, then I just kind of, I got some offers and none of them felt right to me. And I, we talked about it and we were like, this isn't the year, like, let's just not do this. And so I turned down all my schools and he turned down his schools. And then he got an offer to go to the old globe. And uh, uh, he kind of felt like he couldn't turn that down. And I understood that. Yeah. Um, So we made the move to California in 2014. And then um, I auditioned for uh, Anything Goes at Barter Theater for the role of Reno Sweeney. And I got it. And that was in... January, that contract began in January of 2015. And that is where I got my equity card. Yeah. Um, Yeah. I had finally earned 50 EMC points and I took my card at the end of that contract. Oh, that's so cool. Um, I think I have like, I don't even know, like 52, 53, (laughs) 107 EMC points. Like, I don't know how many I have right now. But Equity keeps emailing me and they're like, hey, congratulations, you're eligible to join. And 
And I'm like, hmm, in 2020, maybe not the best choice right now. But later, you know, something yeah. to, something to consider. Know. Yes. Yeah, you never know. And I, I think for me and sort of my type and, and character, I, I've been trying to wait as long as I possibly can. Sure. To, and to join the union. It's about where you're going to find the work that you want to do. Mm-hmm. And I think that's always been true. I, I knew I was ready to take my card when I was, when there were a lot of jobs I wasn't willing to leave my regular life for, um, if that makes sense. Um, yeah. And I also was ready to start, you know, my husband was equity um, and I was ready to start, not that, not that that's relevant to my career traje- tra- trajectory, but um, you know, I saw what he was going in for. I saw the work he was doing. I knew I wanted to be doing that kind of work. And, um, I also really wanted, you know, health insurance, which, um, you don't always qualify for, but you know, I'm really lucky last year I had a great year and this year I qualified for a year of health insurance and it's been fantastic and ideal time (laughs) to have great health insurance. Well, yeah, I I feel like, you know, we should talk about um, probably 2019 uh, going into 2020 and sort of uh, how has your journey been with the pandemic? Oh, it's been a dream. Um, (laughs) (laughs) uh, Great. Next question. (laughs) Yeah. um, So when my husband finished his uh, grad degree, our plan was always to move back to New York City, and this was December 2016. And um, I was uh, five months pregnant, and we were like, "Okay, we're going to go to Virginia for Christmas, and then we're going to go find an apartment." And we'd only been out of the city for two and a half years, and so we were really feeling like, "We'll find something. We're, we're this isn't going to be. It'll be hard because New York is hard, but we'll find what's right for us." Mm-hmm. And I'll tell you what, I did not know that an apartment hunt could be so soul killing. Um, But there's just nothing like looking for an apartment in New York City at six months pregnant in January to make you question everything that's brought you to this moment in time. (laughs) And we just were like, you know, this isn't the right time for us. Let's, let's go, let's go be, let's go save some money and be near family. And so we've been in Virginia to be near my family and we made a complete shift and we decided to become DC actors. And um, last year we purchased um, a condo in Northern Virginia and we've been renovating it. We closed on it 18 months ago today. (laughs) Um, Congratulations. Thank you. We thought this was a two month project. Um, (laughs) We did not know what we were doing. Um, And Anyway, when the pandemic came about, we were still planning to move before uh, I was pregnant again, and we were planning to move before the baby was born. And then we kind of came to the conclusion that, you know, the shutdown happened. We were like, what if we need help? What if there's still a stay at home order? Let's just stay here. So we've been in, we've been with my parents to avoid paying a mortgage and rent. We've been with my parents and um, we've been in a four generation household um, this whole time. So, um, it was pretty scary at first, uh, especially when we didn't know anything and I was pregnant. We didn't know what being pregnant 
like if that really did make you higher risk or if they were just being cautious and you know this virus is still so new we still don't know the long-term effects of it um so in the beginning i would say i was just really getting by um and um being grateful to still be in a more not rural area, but in an area where, you know, my parents have a yard and I can let my three-year-old run around and wear herself out, mm-hmm. um, have more space. And uh, we've just been trying to figure out what our next steps are. We're now to the point where we actually are going to move. Um, you know, we had a baby. That's really what we've been doing for the past <laughs> three months. <laughs> we, we had a new baby uh, and we've been adjusting to life as a family of four. Um, yeah. Wow. I, I admire anyone who has more than one child. <laughs> I mean, go ahead. Go ahead. No, no. I mean, sometimes I, I feel like I, Sophie is like three or four children in, in one tiny human body because she just has so much energy and is so, has so many big emotions and, you know, one minute she's laughing, the next minute she's crying, the next minute she's screaming. And I'm like, I, and everyone keeps telling me this is normal toddler behavior, but. It, it is, but that doesn't make it easy. So, no. Yeah. And, you know, these are not normal times. You can't do all of the normal things with your toddler that you might usually do. And that's hard. Like parenting, a, parenting is hard. Yes. Parenting in a pandemic, I think, is next level. To all of the parents out there who have children in school, I I bow down to you. I can't imagine what that kind of stress is like right now. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's, I will say that's probably something that I think is maybe less, a little less common in what we do is I always knew I wanted to have kids. Like I was, I was always, that was going to be the thing I did. And I knew it was going to be not as normal in our industry as it is for, for, uh, muggles for lack of a better right term (laughs) yeah yeah no I completely I mean I feel the same way I always knew um that I I always you know I'm an only child and so I my whole life I knew I only wanted to have one kid and I would prefer it to be a girl and you know and that happened and so I'm like one and done But you, so you have a a three-year-old and a three-month-old? That's correct, yes. Wow. Yeah. Um, It's been an easier adjustment than I expected. Um, I'm really lucky Violet just loves her brother so much. Um, Sometimes a little aggressively, but you know, (laughs) but uh, her frustrations with our, uh, whenever we're not available to her, she has not seemed to like tie in that it's because of him she doesn't so she's not mad at him she's she's mm-hmm. never upset with him which is great she can be upset with me instead that's fine oh man how okay i you are the first uh mom that i have interviewed on on this podcast so i just have to know like how has motherhood changed you personally and how how has it changed you professionally what, what, what gifts has motherhood given to you? <laughs> uh, you know, I think one of the things that like most blew me away the first year of motherhood was it just kind of 
made me realize how alike we all are. Like every single person on this planet has a mother who probably loves them very much. Mm-hmm. Everybody is somebody's baby. And I forget this all the time. <laughs> you know, it's not, it's not like I remember to have this kind of perspective on people all the time, but I hope it's made me more patient um, with people in general. I hope it's made me kinder. I I don't know that it has. I hope that. (laughs) Um, It's definitely given me a greater depth of emotion. Um, There's just nothing, there's nothing that can prepare you for, you know, that cliche of having your heart walk outside of your body. Um, It is everything I imagined and more and nothing that I imagined all at the same time. Yeah, that's, no, that, that's, I've, I mean, I feel the same way. It's complete, it is by far the number one uh, most difficult thing I've ever done in my life. Oh, yeah. Uh, it is completely different than how I thought it was going to be. Mm-hmm. And um, it's just, yeah, I, I agree with you with like the different, like you access like parts of you or different like sides or ranges of emotion that you just didn't even know was there. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, Which I, I think is so great because you can really, you can bring that into your work as an actor. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's, it's been really, I thinking over, I've only played two mothers actually, since I've, since I've become a mother, I've only played two mothers, but um it was a completely different experience. I'd played mothers before and, Mm -hmm. you know, you think that you can access what that is like and you, you know, but I, I've just had my eyes opened. Yes. Yes. Your eyes have, well, and I also think, um, you know, being, you just can't really, it has made me a much more honest and open human being. Um, it has made me more empathetic, uh, more patient. I'm not afraid to ask for help anymore. Like I, you you know, like your pride is just like, it's just not there anymore. (laughs) Oh, after you give birth, like, what is that? (laughs) So, (laughs) you know, uh, it's just this really, um, humbling in a great way, humbling Mm -hmm. experience. And I just don't have a lot of, um, I'm sorry. It is, you know what? It is, it is 10 o'clock at night and I am toast. So <laughs> I, I apologize for, for my long pauses. Um, There's no need for apologies on. Uh, I suggest part. listeners that you listen to this at 10 o'clock at night, you know? Yeah. When you're like half asleep, you know, <laughs> <laughs> uh, our, our, our soothing voices. Oh yeah. Our, our soothing mom vo- lullaby voices. <laughs> Your bedtime story, if you will. Yeah. No, but I mean, it's, it's so great. I, I remember seeing the pictures of you uh, as mother. Was that last summer? At- it was last summer and a lifetime ago. Yeah. What was 2019? <laughs> I can't even remember. I mean, I gave birth in 2019. Right? <laughs> so, but a lot of it, like the first year of Sophie's life, I'm like, 
it's just like a blur. It all sort of like runs together and, and, you know, thinking about like, I had an, like recovering from my C-section and attempting to breastfeed and taking care of a newborn. And I'm like, I don't even remember like doing it. <laughs> oh my gosh, you don't. Well, and you don't, um, you don't remember, you know, like nature does this really messed up thing where like after you give birth a couple of days later, you already can't explain what it felt like yeah. accurately, even to yourself. Because it yeah, wants like, to, what happened. Right. And because nature, nature wants you to make more people. So, um, you know, it's, it is a, a beautiful, wonderful, that first year is, is super intense. And um, I think especially with your first, you're just, it's a completely, like you're a new person. You gave birth yeah. to a person, but you're also a new person yourself. Uh, yes, that's okay. We're, we're finding it. That's, that's the best way I think that, that I can do. You, you are reborn. Yes. Yes. They ha I've seen things like this on the internet. They say, you know, when a child is born, so is a mother. And I think that's completely true. Yeah. Um, have you seen Waitress, the musical? I have. I oh, have wow. Oh my God. I, I saw it on the B-Way before it closed. And then I saw the national tour of it. Um, oh, both this year. Wow. That's insane. <gasps> Yeah, I was like, that was this year, like before the pandemic happened, because it was in January, and then it was uh, Valentine's Day. My friend Zach and I went to go see the national tour, and uh, like, it's one of my favorite musicals. It's so relatable to me, and the moment that they place that bit, like, I'll start crying, like, the, the, the second they put that baby in Jenna's hands, I'm just like, oh my gosh, sobbing. <laughs> Absolutely. That's, I mean, like, if I had to pick one role I'm dying to do right now, Jenna and waitress is probably it. <laughs> oh, for sure. Like number one. Yeah. And I like, I just, I am like putting it out into the universe that in the future, like I just want to work on that, whether it's be in the show or work on the show or just somehow be involved with that show. I'm just like putting it into the, into the universe. Cause it's so good. And there's really not, I, I'm going to like think of them now that I'm saying that there aren't. Um, but I feel like there really are not that many, there's not musicals about this, about the experience of becoming a mother. That's not a, that's not a common theme. No. And I don't know why not. It's the most common humanizing thing that every mother goes through. Yeah. Yeah. I really feel like if I had to pick like in the thousands of musicals that are, you know, have been created in the world, the one musical that I best identify with as my life journey is Waitress. Absolutely. That's, that's, I, I can understand that. <laughs> yeah. You know, yeah. <laughs> you know. Um, so what, okay. So here we are. Life is crazy. We're like birthing some tiny humans, you know, we're like, we're living in the middle of, of a pandemic, which we don't know how long is it going to last? When is, you know, when is there going to be a, a vaccine? When are we going to look back and be like, remember when the pandemic happened? Like, <laughs> What are some things that you would like to see change in the world or also in the theater world, like as we come out of this pandemic? I think the theater that most of us, all theater has value. I'm gonna go ahead and start with that. But I hope to see more theater telling, serving more of a storytelling purpose and less of an entertainment purpose, if that makes sense. Uh, I want us to be choosing to tell stories that are going to serve to build empathy um, and help people 
recognize how many things, you know, like we did ragtime last year. How relevant is that still? I'm so sad that it's so relevant. Um, but I hope we do more. I hope there's more work like that. I hope theaters are inspired to, after having to take this break, I hope that they, I hope that they're able to tell those stories um, because we need them. We, we, we need to be, that's why I, that's why I do theater. I don't, I do, I do theater for lots of reasons, but the, the shows that make my heart sing are ones like Ragtime or The Curious Incident of the Dog in the Nighttime or, you know, things where somebody is overcoming something huge and things where we see people coming together. And I hope that that's what we're, I hope that's where we're headed. I hope that's where we're headed also just as people. Yeah. Yeah. Well, <laughs> me, God, me too. Like I, I really do because it's, it's sort of like shifting your priorities mm-hmm. and it's prioritizing telling like difficult stories of the human condition that make people feel uncomfortable. Yes. Which inspires change rather than, you know, doing like things that just are going to make money. Absolutely. And, you know, it's our literal job. I'm sure you've read the piece that talked about the study that talked about how people's heartbeats actually synchronize the theater. Like the audience's heartbeats often line up. Oh, that's so cool. That's our job. Like, and that to me is like, what an opportunity to get people to like, what a gift that we get to do this. And let's choose our moments carefully. (laughs) Let's choose what we put on in front of people. Right. Yeah. Oh, that, that's so great. I mean, I feel exactly the same way. And um, yeah, I, I wish that more theaters were willing to take more risks. Absolutely. I mean, it's difficult because it's such a, it's difficult to make money in the theater. It's expensive. Yeah. Um, and I understand why theaters have to be fiscally responsible so that they can, you know, pay people. <laughs> and keep yeah. things safe. These are important. These are important goals. Right. But, uh, but I, I agree with you. I wish it was. I wish that we were taking more risks with our seasons. Yeah. Even if, and it doesn't even, you know, just pick like one show a season that, mm-hmm. you know, maybe you like. I think the average theater goer um, wants to see something that they're familiar with, you know, oh, they've seen the movie or, you know, like they know some of the music from it, but, mm-hmm. and, and that's totally, you know, we're, we're talking about like Annie and, you know, All Shook Up and you know, things like, things like that, Joseph, like things mm-hmm. that are, that are done, Beauty and the Beast, like a lot. Um, but then every once in a while, you know, do the ragtime do, do, do bat boy, do something that's like, do a on time, please do Sunday Sunday in the park with George. (laughs) We're begging you do company. Hire us. (laughs) We're available. (laughs) Oh man. Yeah. You know, I'm even trying to think like ragtime is one of my favorite shows of all time. I just love it so much. It's so good. It is so well written. It is so, you know, relevant. Mm-hmm. I don't you remember how mad we were when they chose it? They chose it for the fall musical the year we left. Yeah, we were so upset. How dare you, Shenandoah? You know, how dare you? <laughs> <No>. <laughs> so I felt really lucky. 
um, to be able to to do it on that stage actually was very was very special to go back to uh, Shenandoah and do it for the summer theater was really was a was a cool full circle moment for me. Yeah, that's so awesome. Uh, what do you think? You know, looking back on your journey, what are some things that you've really struggled with? Um, I think that probably the thing that I have struggled with most consistently is I have started over a lot. I have moved a lot. And I think it's always hard to start over in a new city. Um, I took my card right when we had been in San Diego for not very long. And that was not a great choice in a city with like two major equity theaters and they cast their equity actors out of New York City, even though I was a local San Diego actor, you know. Um, I think it's really difficult to start over. I think it's really difficult to, in this career, there's no straight line. You don't know what the right thing is to do. And I'm somebody who really likes directions. <laughs> Yeah. And there are no, there are no directions in, a, in the career of an actor. And so you're always going to wonder, what if I had done this? Um, and so I think that the thing that I have learned is that I have to quiet that voice that's saying, what should I do? And listen to the voice inside of me that says, what do I want to do? What kind of life do I actually want to have? Um, which is why I finally was like, I'm ready to have kids. Am I as established as a professional actor as I would like to be? No, but I'm not, but I'm ready for this. And this is my, this is my life too. Um, and I think that that is gonna, that's probably something that I will always struggle with as an actor is wondering if I've made the right decisions because you can't know. No, yeah, yeah you just kind of make a choice and, and then you see what happens or you go to another audition or you send another submission video or, you know, you just kind of like, okay, well, the, the biggest question is what's next. Right. And, you know, all you can do is the best you can do with the information you have at the time. And I try to tell myself that a lot because I'm really, I'm really, I'm an overthinker and I like to second guess myself. Mm -hmm. um, and you always can make a change. Um, but you also have to have some faith in yourself and trust your intuition, even when it feels scary. Yeah, it's, it's taking a major leap of faith. Mm -hmm. And that's your middle name, Emily Faith Thompson. <laughs> it is. So. <laughs> oh, I got so dumb. Um, and that, you know, that's another reason why I wanted to, you know, create this podcast is because I wanted to show the reality of the theater world. And I think, you know, you don't necessarily see that when you're looking at someone's Facebook or you're, you know, oh, no, no. You, you're scrolling through, you know, filters on filters on filters on Instagram. And you're like, look at how great I look in my wig. And right. Like, that's only like 10% of the picture. Yeah. <laughs> if that, you know, it's, it's, I do not put on Instagram when my child is having a tantrum. 
Me either. Exactly. Like, you know, like nobody, nobody sees me crying because I'm doing a self tape and I just can't get it right, but it's a self tape. So I feel like it has to be perfect because theoretically I've had all the time in the world to put this tape together, even though I've got 20 minutes before my kid wakes up, you know, like (laughs) everybody thinks that, uh, anybody who's not an actor thinks that being an actor is glamorous. And I've always said that the work of this industry is actually just getting the work is the, is trying to figure out how to put it all together and audit and and the auditioning and the submitting and yeah I I do know (laughs) especially about that screaming and crying toddler waking up in 20 minutes Mm -hmm. that is every day um but yeah I like I think this business is 90% hard work and 10% glamour Mm -hmm. with a good hard dash of luck thrown in there as well yeah (laughs) being in the right place at the right time. Yes. So I think, you know, um, you know, I teach a lot of kids and and classes and people are always asking me like, what's your best piece of advice? And so I wanted to ask you, you know, young people or people who are in high school or college sort of like, what, what would, what advice would you give them? Um, you know, who like want to be professional actors? Uh, I would say, I have two, I have two pieces of advice and really they can both work or you can pick one of them. Um, one of them is, uh, I'm going to paraphrase Elizabeth Gilbert from Big Magic. Ooh. She talks about not requiring your art. Don't rely on your art to provide your income. Don't put pressure on your art to support you. When it does, that's fantastic. But if you put all that pressure on it, it can kill the art. It can kill your creativity. It can kill your heart for it. So I think that's really good advice. I think it's really important to find another way to, and maybe that's, and maybe it's adjacent to the theater. Maybe it's, maybe it's teaching. Maybe it's, um, you know, there's all, maybe it's being in um, administration. There's all kinds of things that are within the field that might not be acting that you can do to support your art. Um, And the other thing is find something else that also brings you joy so that, because there are going to be hard times, like you're going to have times where you're, where you struggle. You may even have times where you go, am I supposed to do this anymore? And it's so important to have something that makes you feel like yourself Um, because we're not only one thing, you know, we're not only actors or only singers or only dancers. We are complicated human beings. And I think it's really important to have some kind of touchstone to remind you that you are, that you have value and that it's not related to whether or not you're working. Right. Well, yeah. And I I mean, you know, exactly talking about struggles or hardships or sort of being in, in between jobs or not knowing what to do next or, you know, <laughs> how do you get all the ducks in a row or how do you, you know, um, pay for things. It's, it's a lot of, truly, it's a lot of figuring yeah. it out. And especially now, with, you know, in 2020 with the world that we live in, I mean, nobody knew that there was going to be a world pandemic. No. This year. It, We've all lost work. Like, I don't know an actor who hasn't lost work. No, I don't think I can name a, a single one 
who was like, <laughs> I knew exactly what I was going to do. I was doing this show, this show, this show, and you know, and la la ti da, and you know, it's just everyone was either in the middle of a rehearsal process or the middle of a performance or the, you know, and then things got canceled or things got uh, postponed or moved around or yeah, it's been a lot of, a lot of change. Mm -hmm. And uh, that's hard. It really is. It really is. Um, So I guess sort of like, lastly, do you have like a favorite theater memory or, 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 or a funny story that you would like to, you know, to leave on a light note? <laughs> you know, this is, and I'll be honest with you, Sarah, this is the one, I'll tell you a high school story because this is the one that I used to tell. Cause I've been trying to think of, I've been trying to come up with a good one. And my best one is probably still from high school. Well, this poor guy. I will, he will remain nameless. Um, I was doing Greece for the second I've done, I've done Greece three times. Um, this is my, (laughs) you've never done Greece. How have you managed to never do Greece? I have no idea. (laughs) Oh my gosh. Yeah. Um, this was my second time doing it. I was doing this at a boys boarding school. Great. Which was great because they had a great budget for their theater and I didn't have any girls. So they used local girls to, and so, you know, we all got to have a bunch of great parts because there were not (laughs) the competition was slim. <laughs> um, but we were doing, we were doing Greece and, um, they had decided to fly the kid playing teen angel in, which meant that he had to be flying, um, through the whole prom scene. Are you familiar with Greece? Yeah. Oh yeah. Okay. Oh yeah. I've okay. seen Greece a million, million quadrillion times. I've just somehow never performed in it. <laughs> Okay. Um, so, you know, act two starts with the, with the dance. Mm-hmm. So it's just a really long scene, actually, like for, for Greece. It's a really long scene. So they've got this poor kid up there for the entire scene because the second, the second scene is the beauty school dropout and he's going to be flown in. And on the second night of performances, like it's really hot up there. You know, heat rises. He's in a wig. He's in this full suit. And the poor kid pukes. Oh no! From, from above the prom. <laughs> now, like we are a bunch of teenagers, and I do not recall a single adult backstage. There probably was one, but like I don't remember this at the time. So nobody had the common sense to like call a hold and clean it up. So. We're all running out there. So he just is flying in for beauty school dropout and he's got to sing a song. Like he has not had an opportunity to recover. And since it was such a small cast, all of the girls were in the beauty school dropout number and we're all in these towels and we've got little, little wings and we're floating around and we're all in bare feet. Oh, and <laughs> no. <laughs> and we're all, and really the memory is just trying to avoid stepping in somebody's sickness as we, <laughs> as we perform beauty school dropout anyway, oh that, that's that poor kid oh no well i'm imagining like did he have puke all over his angel his teen angel costume he did not which is a miracle because it was white uh-huh so, um but it must not have been so terrible because they flew him for the following performance I think that they gave him like a tiny fan that he could pop in his pocket <laughs> and pull out and use on his face before he flew in. Anyway. Oh, wow. 
Ooh, that yeah. is rough. Yeah. Luckily, I've never experienced anything like that again. That poor kid. <laughs> I, I mean, I will say, did you perform when you were pregnant? I did. Not the first time. Um, in fact, uh, if I'm being honest, my husband and I talked about it and we're like, so everything that's auditioning is going to be for after we leave. So let's go ahead and <laughs> I'm not working right now. So this is a good time to have a baby. And that's why we yep. decided to go ahead um, and try to have uh, our daughter. Um, but I did, I was secretly pregnant um, doing Candida uh, last fall, but I was playing opposite my husband. So he, Aww. yes. Yeah. Wearing that's a corset while pregnant, I do not recommend. No, that's terrible. <laughs> well, you know, I found out I was pregnant when I was getting ready to do Happy Days and I was choreographing the show oh and I was going into Plain and Fancy and then I was getting ready to go do Annie at Circa 21. The first six months of oh my gosh was like show after show after show after show. And I'm like, I'm fine. Like doctor says I'm good. And in, in fact, the doctor encouraged me. They're like, no, like your body is used to this. The exercise is good for you and the baby. Like you're good if you feel, but I, I will say like going back to the, the poor kid, you know, in the teen angel, yes. like that was the only time that I was worried. Like, I hope I don't puke on stage. <laughs> oh my gosh. You know, I, in the first trimester I didn't. You know, good for you. I, I've, I've always been lucky that my, I've, I felt nauseous, but I didn't have a ton of morning sickness. Um, my issue was always that I was so tired. I yeah. was like, I, that's what, I can't believe you choreographed a show and performed it simultaneously. Like that makes me so tired. Oh, I, I exhausted all the time. Like pretty much all I did was sleep or watch Netflix or do the show. That was it. That sounds right. <laughs> That sounds like the life right there. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, since we are nearing upon, you know, the 11 o'clock hour mm -hmm. and uh, neither one of us has the, the energy to perform an 11 o'clock ballad. <laughs> <laughs> not tonight. No, not today, Satan, on this podcast. Um, I just want to say thank you so much for taking the time to chat. I know we have been meaning to have a phone date, I think for like the past six months. Yes, yes. But thank you for having me. This has been really fun. Oh, of course. Uh, I just think you're so wonderful and you've always really inspired me. And you're just, you're such a great performer, but you're, but more importantly, you're a great human being. Oh, Sarah, you're so sweet. That's exactly how I feel about you. <laughs> Aww, I love you. I love you too.